this podcast is about people misunderstanding money and you and I have had numerous conversations about how people absolutely I think have a misunderstanding of money not that they don't know what money means and and a lot of this is you know things like we hear this all the time money doesn't buy happiness um I I I don't I don't want leave money to my children right uh, I want my children to fend for themselves when they're older. You know, I, we hear all these types of comments and I think these comments are misguided because they don't understand the meaning of money. So that's why this podcast. So how about we we start and and start thinking about that. How should your clients think about money? What are the things that you try to teach them, to educate them, to change their mindset about money? Okay. How's my financial health, Doc? Welcome to the Financial Literacy Podcast for healthcare professionals where financial security and wealth topics are not a taboo. So welcome everybody to How Is My Financial Health Doc Podcast and I am your host Vuket Tran. I would like to invite you guys back into this um, podcast and I welcome you back. It's been uh, a long time and it's a pleasure to have everyone back. Today uh, we have a treat again. We have back with us uh, my good friend Saad Nadim who uh, has been doing quite well recently and I don't know if you've come across some of his LinkedIn and Instagram and Facebook and whatever other social media exists out there but uh, Saad is an expert in uh, social media and uh, I see him everywhere in fact sometimes I have nightmares because I see him in my dreams uh, explaining all these financial uh, elements and but no those are not dreams those are those are not nightmares those are dreams because he's teaching us and teaching me something new and that's why we have Saad back Saad welcome back to the show thank you so much for having me Vu I appreciate it so you know what the last time we spoke was quite some time ago why don't you um just introduce yourself to the group, uh, remind us what you do, and uh, what are the different things you've been doing so far? Uh, I'm a CEO at Arfa Wealth. We essentially provide conflict-free advice uh, to Canadians, and we're not attached to any products, any investments, or any insurance. Our goal really is to figure out who you are today financially, and what is it that you're trying to accomplish over the next 10, 15, 20 years, and give you the tools and the guidance to help you accomplish that as tax efficiently as possible. It is uh, it is a pleasure for me to have you back here today. So, you know what? Today we're going to talk about something that uh, I think it's important. I think it's important because we really cannot have a discussion about financial security, financial wealth, building a nest egg, building something 
for our children without really diving into this topic, because there's a lot of misunderstanding, or at least in my mind, there's a lot of misconception about this topic. And you know this, it's a taboo topic, right? It's a taboo topic for the general population. You know, my dad used to tell me, Vu, never talk about three things. One, never talk about religion. Two, never talk about money. And three, never talk about sports, right? I'm a Habs fan, and I get, and I bet you that the vast majority of my audience are not Habs fans. So I'm going to avoid talking about the Habs. But you, you know that these are topics we don't talk about. And one of them is money. So money is a taboo topic. Nobody wants to talk about money, especially in healthcare. We don't want to talk about money even though we need money, as you can see yep. with, with, the, uh, with the breakdown of our system, we absolutely need money, but we don't talk about it. But today we're gonna to make a point of talking about it. So there's a lot of misconceptions about money out there. I can share with you a few stories. I'm gonna let you share a few stories uh, yourself first, Saad. What are the different stories you've heard surrounding money and maybe you think it's a misconception of money? I mean, it's a, it definitely is a taboo topic because it's not something that comes up in families. It's not something you want to talk about with your friends. And essentially, I think because there's no, you know how they say, if you, if you want to repair somebody's relationship, it's something that only first thing you should try to do is communicate because by communicating, you'll actually be able to get to the bottom of the problem and then, you know, try to resolve it. But if there's no communication, a lot of relationships break down, marriages break down as such. And I think... If people obviously communicated about money a bit more, maybe it wouldn't be as obviously a, a taboo, right? And that's why we wouldn't make these mistakes along the way that many people definitely make. So in terms of, you know, some of the stories in terms of like what I've seen is and what I've heard, I would, if I could just recall what's happened this morning in all the meetings and just yesterday uh, would be why would I borrow money to invest when I have my own money? Why would I you know, um, buy something on a, a credit card when I just have the cash, you know, so it works both ways, you know, you can use credit as a good thing and credit as a bad thing. Uh, but people don't realize what's actually happening, because essentially what we are is we're in this middle class mentality, especially as you know, a lot of immigrant, a lot of physicians are immigrants, I feel uh, right. And we are most of I mean, nobody's truly Canadian, right? So we're all coming from some sort of an immigrant background. But it's our mentality, right? Like, hey, save your money as much as possible. Don't use credit, uh, you know, try to be mortgage free. You know, I've seen people making really, really good money. And they're, I mean, obviously, mortgage rates are going up now. But some of the guys who are still stuck at that 1.5, 2%, all they care about is being mortgage free at 1.5%. I'm like, like, why? Right? There's so much we can do about it. But it's because I think nobody educates people, right? Nobody, you don't talk about it. And the thing is, most likely, if you're trying to become wealthy and, and have some real wealth that you can generate, if you're fortunate enough to in this life where you can do that type of stuff for yourself and your family, you're definitely not going to learn those lessons, I feel, from your parents, right? Because your parents were probably, again, immigrants, middle class, and they did everything to help you do this. A lot of the stuff that we know about money has to be unlearned before we learn anything new, or at least are open to learning anything new. You make, a, you make an absolutely great point. I think there's a lot of unlearning here, right? Um, I've been taught very young 
and and I hear this all the time and it it happened it happened about you know two three years ago I'm I'm in I'm in my business meeting uh, at the hospital and we're talking about how to fund a social program that we wanted to make sure that we address the needs of the homeless in our emergency department. And we were talking about how to fund it, where to find the money, foundation money, AFP money, AFA money, we chip in, we steal, we beg, I don't know, whatever, right? We need to find some money to find this, to fund this program. And I raised the idea that we should probably you know, use one of the things that we do well in our department to try to monetize it, sell the idea, sell the service, sell the knowledge, build a course, make some money, build some surplus so that we can now fund these social programs. And someone stood up and says, money doesn't buy happiness. And that's it. And the entire discussion ended there and we moved on to another discussion. Of course, we didn't find a solution to how to pay for it. We didn't brainstorm anymore. That conversation ended there. And to this day, three, four years later, we still don't have that program. And so it's funny that people say money doesn't buy happiness, but yet uh, everybody needs money to be happy. That's one story that I wanted to share, which is very important to me because I am so frustrated, I think is the word, by the fact that we in healthcare are very fixated on a certain idea of money. And so how, how do you see money as, forget the fact that you're an advisor, how about yourself? Were there things that you had to unlearn from your previous experience to become an advisor or even to become a parent or to become a, a professional in society? Were there certain things that you needed to unlearn? Yeah, I mean, all the time, right? I'm, I'm still unlearning, like, you know, today. And I think that's just, I guess, a process and a journey for life. Uh, but some of the things that I can definitely pinpoint, you know, some of the things I had to unlearn were like, how does money actually work? What's the value of your time? Uh, why you should do some things over the other? What, what does it truly mean, you know, to have a return on your investment, right? Like how does, how, like, how does this all work essentially, right? Like the thing is growing up in a, just a middle-class family, I'm just taught very simple things, right? Like get a job, save money, do that for 30 years. And then maybe if along the time you saved enough money, you'd be able to maybe retire and, you know, live a good life and then just spend some time with your grandkids. I didn't really agree with any of that. Uh, I'm like, why can't we do more? Like, why do we have to just stay this constant cycle, you know, for generations? So essentially, um, some of the things I would have to unlearn were you know, realizing how you can use the exact same dollar, depending on how you actually use it, how much benefit you actually get out of it, right? And I guess an explanation for that would be, you know, on the advisor side would be, you know, when, or as a physician, you, you do X amount of things and then you realize, and then like, I speak to a lot of physicians and like, okay, you know, so I work extremely long hours because I have to, you know, see patients all day and then I come home and then I have to like do all the paperwork right? And now I have no time to do anything else. I have no time to spend with my wife and my kids. And while they're telling me all of this, they're also going to tell me, I'm also going to do my own taxes this year, right? I'm like, what? Like, you know, like, how does that make sense, right? Do you not understand the value of your time, the value of your money, 
right? Because you just told me you have no time to spend with your wife and your kids who you supposedly love, right? But now you're going to also spend like hours on a weekend try to figure this whole thing out. You're making X amount of dollars per hour. If you can hire somebody and pay them X minus Y, which will be your profit and your surplus of your time, you're, you come out ahead, but they're thinking about, you know, the, they're missing the forest for the trees, right? Essentially, they're like, no, no, no I don't want to spend, spend this money. I want to save this money and then, you know, whatever. But all these things, I feel like we just have to unlearn these things. You don't judge anybody, but you try to at least educate them. Like, hey, what have you thought about it doing it this way? Because this way, you know, that evening and weekends you wanted with your kids, you know, you can spend time with them and, you know, go for a walk, go to the park. Yeah, you can do that if you just do things a bit differently, right? Right. And differently means a change in mindset of how you view money. So here's another story of how I learned about money. Have you ever heard about this? Money is dirty. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Money is dirty. So yeah. we shouldn't have money because money is dirty. Money is a bad thing. Yeah. And so all these things that I've learned in my life, money doesn't buy happiness. Money is dirty. If you have a lot of money, you're a bad person. And you said something that I think resonated with me that I had to unlearn myself as well. One, you, you use the word use, right? Use money. So money is not the end all and be all, and it's not the end goal. Money is just a, a means to get somewhere. And when you use the word use, then you're referring money as a tool. Yeah. And you know what? That's what I had to learn. Money is a tool. Money itself is not happiness. Yeah. Um, trust me, when I, when I go to the movies and my kids are bugging me for popcorn, and I'm like, no, you know, it's 30 bucks of popcorn at the theaters. We're not buying popcorn. Trust yeah. me, my kids are really unhappy, right? Yeah. <laughs> so money, so money to an extent do buy happiness, but a lot of money doesn't buy a lot of happiness. And a gazillion amount of money doesn't buy you gazillion amount of happiness. No. So there's a certain correlation with money and happiness to a certain extent. But, but that's not how we should view money. The way we should view money is money is a tool to buy you something. Now, if you use money to buy a Gucci bag or you use money to pay for that very expensive Maserati, I have nothing against Maserati, by the way, but <laughs> it's just easy to say Maserati and like to say Maserati. But I could use that same money to buy or, or lease a Mercedes or uh, a Land Rover. I apologize for all those of you who have Land Rovers out there. But if we're using money to buy material things, it doesn't buy more happiness. Do you agree? 100%. 100%. I, I, I pretty much live my life with that. Using money to buy things from the mall is pretty much, I think, a waste of money, essentially. There's nothing you can buy from the mall that would still hold the value and the excitement you feel right now when you bought it five years from now. There's exactly. nothing. There's, nothing. You can't name me one thing you could buy from the mall that you would be as excited five years from now. No, I can't. So if I if I use money in the way you described it, which is hire an accountant to do your taxes, pay for a vacation, to pay for an experience that you enjoy with your loved ones, and I don't say loved ones just family, but anyone that you that you love that you want to spend time with. If you exchange that money, that tool 
for time back. So really what you're doing is you're using a tool to tie to buy back time. Okay. And if we use money as a tool to buy back time, then that buys happiness. Right. So exactly. unfortunately we have it all wrong is that we use money to buy objects as opposed to money to buy time and money is but a tool. And I, I give this example, if I'm going to build a house, if I have no screwdrivers, I'll be really, really sad because I can't screw in any screws. But if you give me one screwdriver, I'd be happy. Yep. If you give me two or three screwdrivers, then I have other people come and help me. I'd be happier. But if you give me a million screwdrivers, what am I going to do with it? Right? So, so money is the same. At a certain point, it becomes nonsensical. But money is but a tool to help you build whatever you want to build, the objective or the experience. And that I had to unlearn. No, 100%. I love that, um, that screwdriver analogy. Uh, I think that makes a lot of sense. It's essentially, you know, at some point, and you, we all know what our point is. Some people's is a bit higher, some, some is a bit lower. But essentially, um, there is some number where past that number for you, that might be like 10,000 a month or 12,000 a month or 15 grand a month, like whatever that number is for you. But past that point, the utility of your money marginally decreases. I just have to repeat that one more time. The utility of your money marginally decreases, right? It's essentially what this book I, um, I read recently where uh, they said, like, what is truly, what truly provides happiness, right? And it was a psychology book. And in it, it said that when they did a research back in the 90s, essentially what the, what the uh, professors found was the money was not the reason for happiness they they took a pool of 10,000 Americans and then kind of like just everybody together people who made a lot of money people who made no money but money had no direct correlation to happiness what they found was the direct correlation to what allowed people to be happy was if they had the option to do what they want when they want with who they want and how they want to do it so it was time so it was time, the ability to use your time, how you'd like to use it with who you want to use it. And whenever you want to use it is what gave them the most happiness. So somebody who earned 30, 40 grand, if he still got to go home at five o'clock and spend the rest of his evenings doing exactly what he wanted, he was still happy because he only needed 30 grand, but he got to do after five, he got to do exactly what he wanted. Right. Whereas you know, there's many physicians I find, you know, you're, you're, maybe you have your own clinic, maybe you have a one assistant or something like that. And maybe your spouse helps out somewhere in the office, but all of your time from like in the morning to late in the evening, yes, you're making quite a bit of money, but you have no control over your time. Right. Which is why I just read an article um, in the East. I'm sure you know this in Nova Scotian PEI physicians by the droves are leaving the profession. But droves, they, they, it's like they, they have a severe shortage of physicians in, in, in the eastern provinces yep. because they're just leaving because they're like, we're burnt out from COVID. We have to work all the time. Yes, I'm making X amount of dollars, but I'm not happy to just bring your point to a close. Like money is not the happiness is, you know, if you can use money to buy back time and allow you to do what you want, experience things, um, you know, that's what brings the happiness. Uh, so I love the fact that you, as you said, if I had zero screwdrivers, 
I'll be sad, I'll be unhappy, but if you give me one or two or you know whatever, I'll be happy. But after some time, it's, it's digitality goes down to zero essentially. Right. The amount of happiness does not grow uh, in a linear fashion with the amount of money. Right. No. If I have two times amount of money, I don't have two times amount of happiness. And yeah. if I have a million times amount of money, I don't have a million times amount of happiness. But trust me, I'd be really unhappy if I didn't have money. If I didn't have money in the first place, yeah. <laughs> right. I'd be really, really unhappy. So yeah. we we kind of have to qualify that saying money doesn't buy happiness a little bit, right? Yeah. Uh, so that's not absolutely true. Okay, so money is dirty. Where did that come from? Why is it that we can't talk about money? You, in your profession, you have to talk about money because that's what you're trying to help people with, their financial security and wealth. But it's very funny that in our community, in the healthcare community, we cannot talk about it. And yet everybody's stressed over it. And so yep. there's a certain change in mindset that we have to do. What do you think is a healthy thing for us to change our mindset? How can we change from money is dirty to no money is a tool? Um, what are the things that can help us do that? That's actually probably the toughest question somebody asks because, I mean, that's definitely a hard question, right? How do you turn pretty much a taboo, you know, in our culture, in our society into something that, you know, we can openly talk about? Here's, I'm going to share with you what I think. I had to unlearn this as well because I've always grew up thinking money was dirty. And so the way I thought about this is you mentioned building wealth. I heard this definition and this definition actually changed the way I think about money. What is the definition of wealth? Being wealthy is not being rich. Being wealthy is having discretionary time. And when I looked at that definition, I'm like, oh my God, that for me was a, a game changer of how I view life and how I view my work how I view my time with my family and how I view money because it comes and it solidifies this idea that I am wealthy when I have the time to do whatever I want with whoever and whomever I want and whatever I want. But to do that, I still need to pay my bills. <laughs> I yeah. still need to pay my mortgage. I still need to make sure my kids go to university. I still need to pay for my Maserati. By the way, I don't have a Maserati, but uh, <laughs> I would still have to pay for my car. I still have to pay for my food and grocery. How do I do that and still have enough time, right? And I talk a lot about uh, trading our life energy for a paycheck. Mm -hmm. And that's essentially it. essentially it. Being wealthy is having enough money to buy enough time so that you use your life energy to do for whatever you want to do and not what life expects you to do or family or parents or neighbors, right? So that yeah. definition of wealth really helped me solidify that. Yeah, I mean, that that makes a lot of sense because I mean, it just really comes down to what we just spoke about, right? It's not the money that helps, it's just the time that you get to buy. We do things because we have to, because we have to pay all the bills. You know, that anxiety that people get like, no, I got to keep working, I got to keep going because you know, what if... I run out of money or what if I get sick or what if, you know, all of these things, it's like that negative, you know, what we spoke about last time. I remember that like scarcity mindset where you know, there's not enough. If I don't put in all these hours, it's not enough. So that's definitely something I think mentally you have to be there that, you know, where, where you understand 
that if I do X amount of things, anything more over here, I kind of maybe even don't need it. Maybe that's a, that's an approach that maybe some people take too, right? Maybe you cap it off at some sort of numbers of patients or, you know, cap it off at some sort of number of clients where you know that anything more than this, I'm just playing a game at this point, right? I'm just making more money, but this extra money is actually bringing me more happiness. I'd rather spend that extra money in doing things that I actually enjoy doing, personal growth or hobbies or kids or wife or whoever, right? I read uh, Benjamin Franklin's biography uh, recently. And, and one of the things, one of the stories he, that was written about him that I really enjoyed was sometime in his career when he was doing a, his a news printing business, a, a person came to him and said, hey, I need you to you know, print this. And he didn't really like what he was going to print because it was bashing somebody else's business or something like that. He's like, that's not the type of business I want to run. I want to run a clean printing business. Um, but he's like, you know what, but I do need the money, <laughs> you know? Uh, so what do I do? So he's like, you know what, give me a, give me a few days to think about it. So that night when he went home, he uh, did not sleep in his bed. He did not turn his lights on. He did not turn his fan on. He did nothing right that night when he went to sleep, he slept on the floor, took no blanket and woke up in the morning. He told himself that I'm still living, I'm still breathing, I still have some food in my in my home. I don't need that extra money. If I have to give all this up, I give up my bed, give up my home, everything, as long as I can still sleep on the floor and wake up happy, I'll be okay. And then he went back the next day and he said, I'm not going to do this, right? And I think that's a very powerful story to realize that you know money is not the end all be all. That's really what this whole conversation is about, right? Yes, of course you can take on some more patients or do some side business or open up another clinic or, you know, something, but you have to, I think, realize what, what are you sacrificing when you do those types of things? Yeah. And it's, it's coming back to how many screwdrivers do I need? Yeah. Right. Uh, if I have one, I'd be happy. If I have two, I'm happier. If I have three, I'm ec ecstatic, but I don't need four. <laughs> and I don't need yeah, five and I don't need, and I don't need a thousand. And so I think that is, I think that is key. That is key. And, and that's the misconception about money one way or the other, right? People think yeah. that money will buy them a lot of happiness. A lot of money will buy a lot of happiness, but other people think that money can buy happiness. Therefore, uh, or money can't buy happiness. So therefore I don't need a lot of money. Uh, it's it's, it's yeah. the, the truth is always in the middle right? Or somewhere middle. in the middle. Yeah. And money is not bad. Money is not dirty. Money is not happiness. Money is just a tool like a screwdriver is. So having said that, you know, when you have clients that come to you and they have all these preconceived notions of money, how do you work with them to get them to understand and get them to guide them to where they need to be? I mean, personally, I feel that the most educated clients make the best clients. I think education is a big part of what the job is, essentially, right? It's like, you don't know what you don't know, and you don't even know what you don't know, right? Uh, and essentially, our job is to base when we have these conversations, and we talk about, say, cash flow and budgeting and investing for your future and delaying your gratification uh, and, you know, spending less than you earn. So all of these are just basic principles in terms of if you follow these basic, I guess, rules of money you'll you'll be wealthy by the time you retire uh, so essentially i think just educating people 
because um, it's it's always different different uh, situation. Some people, some person has thinks about money this way. Some people, some people just want to buy like real estate. Some people just want to do something. You know, they all come with some preconceived notions of what they want to do with their money. And our job is essentially like just educating them. Like, hey, have you thought about this? Have you thought about this? What if you do it this way? What if you do it this way? Right? Um, and then usually uh, people on the other side would come out would start making a I think a bit better decisions, at least rational decisions, because the money is, that's the one thing, right? Like it's, you can't change anybody, right? I think that's the one thing I've come to realize, you know, how hard it is to change yourself. Imagine now how hard it would be to change somebody else, you know? So that's not something that I guess I'm trying to do or what we're trying to do at RFL. We don't want to change anybody, but if we educate them and over time, um, you know, people do, start making uh, rational decisions rather than emotional decisions when it comes to their money. I absolutely agree with you. I think the first step is education. And uh, you stole my line. Uh, and that what? line is, uh, you don't know what you don't know. But I don't, but I don't think I don't think I created that line. I think, <laughs> I think, I think the first caveman said something like that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and we just we just never really learned it. Thank you very much for sharing your thoughts with us about money. And it's important that we talk about this openly because money is not a taboo subject. Uh, money is not dirty. Uh, money doesn't buy happiness, but trust me, no money obviously will be very sad. So there's a lot of misconception about money and there's probably more misconceptions out there. But I think the most grounded notion of money is money is a tool. Use it appropriately. And what are we exactly. all looking for? What are we all looking for in life? You know, it's a big philosophical question that I'm not sure that a doctor and a financial planner can answer here today with, with great authority. But I would say that, you know, the, the goal in life is to be happy, right? Be happy, don't worry. And um, to do that mm-hmm. is, is to use money as a tool. Yeah, no, essentially. And, and while you were saying that, I just, um, you know, something came to mind. I think social media is doing a great job at that personally, because I, I was thinking about what you just said, right? How, how can we turn money from a dirty conversation to a clean conversation, right? I think the reason that's so hard and the reason that's so taboo is because, you know, it always gets personal when it's, when it's about money, right? So let's say, you know, you mentioned you're in this setting at your hospital and you're thinking about these ideas and then somebody all, all of a sudden gets up and money doesn't buy happiness and now everybody's awkward and now you just kind of move on to the next topic because you don't want to, you know, step on anybody's toes or you don't want to do anything, right? Because it's going to get personal now. Yes. So I think the reason social media, I think, is doing a great, like a great job at that is that you can now gather information and learn about these different types of topics and learn about money and, you know, things that are available that might be, you know, completely opposite to the way you think. But now you're getting that information in a completely non-personal manner where, you know, the person across the screen doesn't know you or anything. But now if you're gathering this information and you learn something, all of a sudden, it's not like I have to succumb to what Vu's ideas are in this, in this circle, because now it might make me look bad or something, but now all of a sudden, if that's just set from a third party with no personal relationship, but you're seeing this on a video and you're like, oh, I get it. Oh, I understand. And you may not get it on the first video, 
but maybe you follow along and three weeks later or a month later and finally clicks in and you're like, ah, oh, this makes sense. And you know, that kind of, I think that way, I think uh, is probably a pretty good tool uh, to gather information and see the opposite side, you know, of what's going on. I, I think you're right. I think social media, but the internet has made information so internet, much more yeah. available uh, at a quick pace that, you know, everything's anonymized on the internet, right? Um, yeah. And so you can look up information that is not personalized to you and you can learn at your own pace in your own safe space. Yeah. And so definitely the internet has changed that. But I think, I think there's still a lot of preconceived notions and misunderstanding about money that we keep teaching people. Uh, and I, I hear it all the time, pay down your debt. Make sure you're your mortgage free by 65. Well, why 65? What's yeah. what's the arbitrary number at 65? Because 65 we retire, so I have to be mortgage free. In fact, I, I would love to be not mortgage free at 65 because I, I want to own a hundred doors. So yeah. for those for those of you just say what 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 hundred doors? Well, a hundred <laughs> doors means a hundred condo units or a hundred, you know, whatever it is. Yeah. And so what if I'm that type of person and I want to invest in real estate or I want to invest in, you know, solar energy, whatever it is that you want to invest, you will need leverage. And so will you be debt free at 65? No, you won't be. So, yeah. so why do I, we all subscribe to the same mantra? To blindly follow some random marketing tool that happened probably from a company to be debt-free by 65 that was definitely some sort of a marketing thing i'm guessing from probably some bank you know maybe back in the 90s or something so it stuck around um and then all these different things these different ideas they're they're different ideas but that doesn't mean you have to like actually act on them right there's nothing that says to your point that just because you hear something or just because many people about you or around you talk about that, that doesn't mean that it's true for your specific situation, right? You might be a completely different person and you're trying to do something completely different. But if you're trying to do what you want to do based on what other people have said, it wouldn't really work, right? To your point, I want to own 100 doors, or 100 condos, but I also need to be debt free by 65. Well, those are two contradicting goals. Which one is more important to you, right? We don't care about the end product. We care about the strategy and the planning. So essentially, if this goal is important to you, well, we're going to do everything in our power to help you achieve that goal. But if you tell me all of a sudden, so I want to have a real estate empire and a hundred doors. Well, that's the education piece, right? Where, hey, this is, you told me that this is important, but you also told me that this is important. These are the pros and cons. If you're trying to be debt-free, well, how are you going to pay down hundred <laughs> doors, condos by the time you're 65, right? But if you're trying to buy these 165, then well, we can assure you that you don't need to be debt-free by 65, right? So I think that's where the education piece comes in. And that's where people, I think, have to realize that, you know, like that's why you, I think, do a fairly like a really good job in the sense that you're just educating people, right? Like, Hey, here's some things that you have not thought about. But secondly, and more importantly, everything you hear online is not true to your situation, right? Um, these are just general ideas. You might take this general idea and be like, Oh, that doesn't apply to me. Right. That's okay. Uh, oh, I like this. What Boo said that does apply to me. Right. Um, and I think that's, that's key as well, right? It's like, you know, like Dave Ramsey's and all of these guys, they're like, don't use debt. But do you realize that Dave Ramsey specializes in getting people out of bankruptcy? 
Once you think about that, then you realize what his perspective is, what his point of view is. He's not helping you build wealth. He's making sure that you don't declare bankruptcy. That's his goal, right? So why would you take advice from a guy whose point of view, it's like you go to an architect to ask him how to fix your health problem. His point of view is going to be like, you know, I think, you know, get a screwdriver, put it in your body or something, you know, it's going to be, you know, very art, like, like, you know, very that. Right. Um, I mean, it's very, well, it's very easy to, you don't get an electrician to fix your plumbing and you don't get a a plumber to fix your light bulb, right. Or your electrical problems. Right. So, but I think, I think as a society, we're moving more and more towards uh, that understanding of individualism, you know, whereas mm-hmm. in the past you had a song from Pink Floyd, you know, another brick in the wall where everybody was conformist and we're now yeah. in 2022 where everybody's different and we celebrate individuality. So hopefully that people understand that with time, that yeah. these type of dogmas that we've been repeating to ourselves year after year, don't do this because of XYZ reason. Well, does it apply to me or does it not apply to me? And I think, like you said, proper education is the way to change, right? Yeah, for sure. So listen, thank you very much for uh, sharing with me your thoughts. Uh, as, As a friend, as a financial planner, as someone who educates people on money every single day of your life, uh, so thank you very much for sharing your thoughts. Before we leave this podcast, any burning thing you must say to the audience before we say goodbye? I think the best advice, I guess, at least from a money perspective moving forward, or at least all throughout life, is to just delay gratification as much as possible, um, right? You don't need to buy that thing right now, or, or at least sleep on it for a few nights, and then you realize, oh, I'm not that excited about that thing anymore. I probably don't need to buy it, right? And if you just delay gratification, I think that in itself will get you to be happier because you're no longer basing your happiness on consistently buying things. You're just content with life as you have it and you're happy with what you have and you're grateful for what you have. And I think if you just you know, approach life that way, I think that'd be, then you won't need as much money you know, uh, to be happy. So I hope you guys enjoyed this particular episode. And if you have, please share it with your friends and colleagues. And please remember to email me if you have any comments or have any suggestions for future podcasts. The email is hmfhd2020 at gmail.com. How is my financial health doc podcast is hosted by Dr. Vukit Tran. Dr. Tran is a physician with a special interest in personal financial security and wealth education. Dr. Tran does not render or offer to render personalized investment or tax advice through this financial podcast. The information provided is for informational purposes only and does not constitute financial, tax, investment, or legal advice. Please confer with your advisor, lawyer, or accountant for specific advice.